0: a hand clapper, a, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus.
0: Joe Goodberry joins me every single week on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Also writes for bengalswire.com and uh, he's good enough to join us now you follow him on twitter at joe goodberry joe how you doing man
1: i'm doing fantastic thanks for having me james
0: absolutely what do you think uh well what would your reaction be uh just throwing it out there because it seemed like a foregone conclusion that marvin was gone but let's just throw it out there that marvin lewis signs a two-year extension to remain the coach here in cincinnati what uh what would your reaction be
1: I think it would be very similar to 2011. The last time they were in this situation where it was a lame duck year, he's on the last year of his deal, they had a terrible season, and I think everyone at that point was ready to move on. That's the infamous, real bad press conference, yeah. you know, where the world's diseased. worst
0: press conference. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, like, it seemed like Mike and and Marvin even at that time didn't like each other, and they just kind of settled on it and and got through divorce court, it seemed like, or or, uh, divorce therapy, and they were willing to work on it. (laughs) I think you'd feel that way again where you're like – okay, um, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for this franchise to go in a new direction. I think some people are sort of scared of the unknown going into the head coaching search. And some people I've seen defend Marvin over the last few weeks of saying, well, we we could be worse. Don't forget the 90s. And, and, you know, who's a better coach than Marvin? At least we can get to the playoffs with him. All fair takes, but at the same time, extremely conservative. And I, I think most people are ready to see a new head coach come in. If that happened, I don't think they'd sell out a game next year. I don't think that would be an inspiring move to to the fan base. And I think even the team, guys on the team would would feel like, man, are we ever going to be able to win? If you remember right after Marvin got extended, that's when Carson Palmer said, you'll never win. I'm out of here. Trade me.
0: And that's the concern going into this offseason. Like we've seen some uncharacteristic things from A.J. Green. The last thing I want to do, like he got into that fight, which we would never see. I uh, spoke up saying get playmakers the ball, which he would never do. We, we we felt like at least he had never done prior to this year. The last thing I want to do is ruffle AJ Green's feathers and get him in into that place that Carson was, which was get me the heck out of here.
1: Yeah, I, I that would be a huge blow, I think, after this season, after the last, you know, five years, six years of getting to the playoffs and failing, and, and failing spectacularly the way they have and, and in primetime games and just coming up short, making a mockery of themselves uh, against the Steelers the last couple times they played them now. Um, I think losing a franchise player in, the, in a similar way, well, that's probably, you know, it probably doesn't happen. But if it did, man, talk about all-time low for this franchise. He's
0: Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. I'm James in for Mo today here on ESPN 1530. You, you obviously, you've watched every single snap of this season multiple times. Just a, a real quick note or question about Sunday's game. Is that the first time, because it felt like they gave up? Was the effort there on film, or was it just technical things and, and starters being out? Like, what was the, the biggest issue with what you saw from the Bengals on Sunday against the Bears?
1: As always, it's a combination of everything. But if you're asking specifically, was it an effort issue? I saw it on a lot of plays, especially on defense. Um, And sometimes that can be confused with, you know, once you start getting into blowout territory and the game starts unraveling the way it does, or if the offense goes on three and out, we saw that during the year. An offense can go three and out three times in a row and the defense is just gas, or they're just not inspired at that time. They just don't feel like their efforts are being matched on the other side. And, yeah, you can see effort start to slip at that point. I think it happened a little bit earlier and a little bit more often in this game. And I think that's a sign of coming off of a bad, bad loss where your season was on the line against the Steelers. And, you know, you come back on a short week, you're you're, being, you're playing a team that you should beat on paper, and they're wiping the floor with you. I think very quickly the confidence was gone, and it, it was the backups not being in and not knowing the responsibilities. Or I shouldn't say that, not – not playing to the same standard as some of the starters. And, um, you know, when you're not in a close game and nobody's out there making a play for you, it's hard to get that spark back. And I think that's basically what happened in the entire game.
0: Joe, I'm known as an Andy Dalton hater among these parts, uh, which I, I obviously, I don't hate Andy Dalton, but I was just, I was looking at some numbers and everyone looks back at, at 2015. And obviously you've seen every single snap of Dalton's career. 2015's, the outlier season. Like Nick Foles, people in, in Philadelphia are freaking out, right? Because Nick Foles is is going to be their starting quarterback. And he had one season back in, let me look here, 2013, when he completed 64% of his passes, averaged nine yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. Was just really good under Chip Kelly. Like, insane. I, like, I think that's what 2015 was for Andy. And you've watched every snap, so I just – I want to get your take on, on what Andy Dalton is as an NFL quarterback, because you don't only look at him. You look at other quarterbacks across the league. You, you watch them. You, you look at them more closely than I do. Or a lot of our listeners
1: do. Well, cause that's the key. Cause you have to watch other guys. Um, Dalton will miss deep throws and he'll miss some routine stuff, but everyone does. If you watch Tom Brady last night, if you watch big Ben the mm-hmm. night before, they're all going to miss throws. It happens. It's the frequency in which it happens. It's, does it let you affect the next play? Does it, uh, you know, do you provide more positive impact plays in terms of throwing and reading coverage and things like that than you do negative plays? Um, is the offense limited because of because of the quarterback? And all of that plays into it, and all of it factors in. And when you look at Andy Dalton, and you say, what does he do well? Well, he's got a very quick release. He's, he's usually when he's throwing the ball and he knows where he's going with it, it comes out quick, it comes out accurate, and it comes out on time. He's very consistent for the most part in in terms of his strengths and weaknesses that you can build a team around him because you know what you have in your quarterback. And he's a great guy and a a good teammate. Those are all factors that coaches would love to have. Uh, I think when you look at the negatives, and a lot of it is because of the way the offense is built with him too, but the the teams that disguise their coverages between pre- and post-snap, confuse Andy Dalton and the receivers way too often that it leads to mistakes or plays where Dalton's tucking the ball and doesn't feel comfortable holding the ball more than two and a half seconds. And that's when the, the line comes into play because from that point, if there's any type of pressure, we've seen him before, he can make a play happen with his legs or, or, or improvising. But normally he drops his eyes and turns into a runner and misses opportunities downfield because his internal clock is very quick. After seven years now of, of, of being in a quick passing offense, and it was the same thing at TCU. So it been a long time in his career. he has been this way. Um, if the ball's not out within two, two and a half seconds, he – you see him panic a little bit and it's, you can see it on tape and maybe that's not internally the way he feels, but it's definitely the way it shows. And I believe once he starts to move off of his mark in the pocket, his accuracy dips and he's more of a thrower than a passer. And I mean, what I mean by that is uh, ball placement is big for quarterbacks being willing, the willingness to throw into a tight area or while a guy is covered, but you can place it, where the defender can't get to it, or you'll place it where the receiver will get into the most open area as the area where Dalton struggles. And because of it, it it affects his big plays and his impact throws. A lot of times on his touchdowns or on his big plays, you'll say, um, or you should say, would most quarterbacks be able to make that throw? And if he throws 20 touchdowns, if he gets 20 right now, I think on 15 of them you would feel most quarterbacks in the NFL could make the same exact read and same exact throw. Um, that's an offensive design, or it's a play that is made mostly by the wide receiver. It's those other few plays where you where you question, is Dalton a difference maker? And I think for most of the game, he's not. Uh, and that's why I say if a franchise quarterback is available, the Bengals should always be open to that idea.
0: He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. And uh, a couple more questions for you, Joe. I, I want to get back to Marvin Lewis here and, and it's one thing to swap out coaches and you pointed out some of this on Twitter, but it's, it's one thing to, to bring in a new coach and a new regime and new coordinators and all this stuff. But Mike Brown's going to be in place. Front office is going to be the same as it's been. And the past couple of years, I could make the argument that it is as big of a problem as people have with Marvin Lewis in game and what he's done, that the front office has dropped the ball in free agency that for years they got the draft wrong. Even you pointed it out, they could have traded back last year and maybe added an, another first-round pick. Like there, there's been so many different things that this front office, since that 12 and 4 season, has missed, has gotten wrong, or hasn't kept the the right players. That to me, they have to figure that out. And it looks like they did in last year's draft. Like a lot of their draft picks are right. They they've got them right. It seems like, and they've added some talented guys. But this front office has to change if they're going to get back to what they were from 2011 to 2015.
1: Exactly. And you talk about the the front office because that largely that's going to keep the same. You're going to have Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn. You're going to have Duke Tobin making the decisions for personnel. And if you look back the last two years, and it's, it's you know, two years ago, they lose Marvin Jones, Marvin those are the big guys they lost. They also lose Reggie Nelson. Um, they bring in Brandon LaFell. That they extend guys like Drake Kirkpatrick this offseason. They signed Kevin Minter to over $4 million. He's barely played at all and hasn't played well when he has. Um, and they allow guys to walk like Kevin Zeitler and, and Andrew Whitworth. And their last three first-round picks gave them zero production. Their rookie year, Cedric Oboehe, who was injured when they drafted him, but felt you know they knew he was going to be a backup either way when he was healthy. Um uh, William Jackson missed his entire rookie year, and that John Ross missed his entire rookie year. So they're not getting immediate returns in free agency. If anything, they've lost guys and quality guys. Um, and while sitting on 10 to $12 million a year, rolling, rolling it over in cap space into the next season. So they haven't spent to the maximum with good rosters. They haven't gotten production from their first-round picks, and they've lost key free agents. Uh, that's not going to change with changing change in head coach. You hope and the next coach comes in and, and fights for that. But I don't have any doubt that Marvin Lewis fights for players and fights to keep his, his guys. So uh, that's still a concern. Uh, you know, I, I think we've forgotten over the last 15 years with Marvin you know, what it was like before Marvin and what it was like early, early Marvin days from 03 to 06 or 07 where you felt really Mar- Mike Brown had a control of this franchise and he was going to do it his way or no way. And I guess that is the concern when you when – you, or if they do lose Marvin Lewis or decide to move on without him is how much does Mike Brown step back into it as the face of the franchise. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I think Marvin Lewis has really been the face of the franchise over his, most of his tenure here.
0: He's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good one. Thank you, James